you, Dirtbags. Uh, we are back in studio. My name is Luke Eggebrotten, your co-host, and Mr. Luke Bain. How are we doing? Mr. Eggebrotten, cheers, brother. Happy Thursday. I think this is, has been our closest podcast that we've ever recorded to like a published date. Yeah, so for anyone listening, uh, it's 7.45 p.m. Central Time, uh, Thursday night, and this is coming out Friday morning. So yeah, thanks so Brandon. Brandon, we apologize in advance. Yeah. How about that though? I mean, Brandon's been dealing with us for over a year and a half and for me a lot longer, but what a guy. I feel like he doesn't even complain. What a guy, just the man, just the man with a plan that makes shit happen. So, but not to mention, I mean, he's busy. Obviously we're busy too. Clearly Luke and I are just kind of, I don't want to say stretched to the gills, but like recording at Thursday night before it comes out on Friday, that definitely tells that it's busy season. So yeah, and for some clarity, I know we're going to get ahead of the curve here, uh, but we did not want to drop this episode, especially after today when I said huge episode coming tomorrow morning. Uh, so that one, uh, and I, I put the Canadian flag. So that one obviously is going to be two weeks from now. We have a very special guest. I wanted to bring that up right away. Um, we had to move some things around. and So Luke and I are going to record this one. Uh, it's going to be a short one. It's going to be a good one. I'm excited for it. But um, the big one's going to be in two weeks. And then also in, I believe, two weeks. Luke, what else we got going on? We have the Dirtbags University. Sorry, I spaced for a second because I'm thinking of before we had this conversation, Luke and I were, I was literally on the phone trying to line up trucks for a clay hall tomorrow. So I'm thinking about that. Um, But we have the Dirtbags University, and that is going to be centered around estimating on like bigger commercial projects, how to find kind of like your you know, your end number, basically the process of how um, we do it. And then obviously everybody's different on how they bid, but um, yeah, that should be a really good one. We're still solidifying our guests right now, getting our uh, contract and everything signed with them so they can get their big dollar, $25 check and off we go. $25. (laughs) That'll be a fun one too. It'll be a yeah, no, we get we get it all the time. It's guys that do heavy residential or light commercial, but they just don't know exactly how to bid or estimate in the bigger commercial work. And so I think this um, webinar will be big for that. You know, obviously our presenter is going to dive in into the numbers of how they do it. And then also there will be that Q&A scenario where, you know, we can bring bring you in. Um, you can kind of walk through your question or your scenario, and then we can do it live uh, with our, our speaker. I realized like four times they're on set of name. So that's okay. Um, everybody will know who it is soon enough, but with the commercial side, Luke, kind of like you had talked about that as a realm, I, you know, I'm sure you see it too, but everyone wants to try to like push to do more and more commercial. So it's, it's good to have maybe somewhat of an understanding of what goes into the bidding process and what things you need to look for. Because if you haven't done anything in that space yet, it's way different than residential. It's way different than, you know, the, the earthwork on a commercial site is actually pretty extensive. And I mean, we still have a lot to learn with our bidding. We understand the process now. But like when we first did it, I looked back, Cole and I were laughing at this the other day. We were looking back at projects last year that we bid and we're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like there was one and this one, I mean, we were, last year was a weird year. Obviously we were just kind of scrambling, but there was a project that 
they somebody had contacted us on and they're like hey here's our budget for this can you try to like make like this work and thankfully we were smart enough to be like yep we can probably work within those numbers there wasn't a lot of detail to the project it was basically like a small drawing with like an allowance structure so that's what we bid off of and the allowance was 125 grand right and we saw that we're like hell yeah we'll make some good money on that like no problem we got to it this spring and finally like all the detail came out to it that turned out to be a $560,000 project. Yeah. Seriously? Wait, Seriously. So, so can you, did you take it at the one, one? We did. We did. And thank God we didn't start it because it was way more inclusive than, and obviously there wasn't like a full plan set of things. Sure. It was one of those like battlefield can you take this project on? Can you get it done? Yep, here, sign this contract with us. And then everybody obviously was full of work. So we were kind of last resort on it. Um, funny enough, Cole actually is cousins with the owner of the project that we found out later on. But yeah, I mean, from 125 into that, well into that 500 grand is what it ended up being. So how does that work then? Can you readjust your your bid? We readjusted just because, I mean, if we had a full plan set and we were like, yeah, we'll make that work, probably not. But thank God we didn't have a full plan set or like a geotech report to go off of. So then, yeah, we're, I mean, a bunch of dewatering, a bunch of over excavation with different material types, different elevations with, um, you know, your footing and your wall heights. So, and that all obviously comes into play, but yeah, turned out to be a really big number. Yeah. So if you had those plans back last year, do you think, like, what do you think you would have come in at as far as your bid? Like, do you still think it would have been far off? I think we were naive to where we probably would have been like, Hey, we'll, we'll sign a contract with you with an allowance up to this number, but then anything over will probably be a TNM. And I don't know if they would have gone for it or not, but thankfully that didn't happen. Yeah. And for anyone listening that might not know what a TNM is, Time, time and material so basically you have you know you set your you know your material is material you basically just forward on the invoices you know for if you, if, it, if you have trucking you have any material that you're bringing on site your piping your you know your pipe bedding anything like that and then obviously your time like your man hours machine hours things like that so tnm is tnm is great on some projects um if there's a lot of unknown yeah. you know you can you can come out ahead most of the time on that but we prefer the bid basis. Yeah. And I think it prevents you from getting screwed as well. Like, 100%. My guys have to be out there for another, you know, two, three weeks and you have to pay them. And so you just spill, spill everywhere. Yeah, I, there was like an ice cube that I, it would like, wasn't an ice cube. It tasted like a hair. So I had to spit yeah. it out. Speaking of spilling everywhere, how was the uh, honeymoon in Florida? Like do you, how was your, uh, the big fish bowl? Dude, uh, the honeymoon was fun. The first day Riley and I had, we split a 50 ounce margarita and keep in mind, we didn't know this. We were a couple drinks and this was on Monday. So obviously no work was going on. Didn't have my phone on me. It was like, let's fucking party. Um, it was a hundred dollar margarita. You're kidding. Dead serious. Well, 50 ounces, you know, and I didn't think of it at the time. So we housed that. We got back to the pool and we both passed out by the pool for like an hour and a half. <laughs> so I love how you go into the trip. Uh, Cause when did you fly in Sunday, Saturday, Saturday night, we got in. Yeah. You fly in and you're just like fresh, ready to go. It's Monday. You're, you're partying, but then you didn't fly out until Sunday, Sunday again. So I mean, yeah. probably by the end, you were just like, I'm ready to get back. Oh, we were so ready to be home. I'm drinking. 
like yeah. besides the podcast. Yeah, I would Riley and I told ourselves we're like, we are so done drinking. And then after work tonight, I got a little time. I left the office at like six, six fifteen, and they were out at the pool. And I was like, let's, you know, let's grab dinner out there. And then we had a couple of drinks out there. So we're both like, yeah. that didn't last long, but <laughs> it happens. I think it's more of the setting. Uh, cause yeah. we, we did that uh last weekend too. We had turf wars up in Detroit Lakes and we always do our big after party. And so I always tell, yeah. you know, my wife Olivia and I tell everyone, I'm like, this is kind of like my one shot it's at like one just, getaway. Just let her go. Um just let her fly, have as many as you want. We have a ride home. It, you know, we kind of celebrate a big event yep. and it was awesome. Like, How was Turf Wars? Hey, we should get into that a little bit. Yeah. So I guess for anyone that is listening, so Turf Wars is a, basically it's a uh, drag racing company that I'm a partner in and it's 300 feet. It's double elimination, just straight shot. Um, but we have different classes. And so you have your kids class, you know, your, your dirt bikes, your quads, we have an open mod class that, you know, a lot of banshees modded out side by side, things like that. Um, and it's just a ton of fun. So um, been doing that for a few years now with some friends and it's just a blast, but it's kind of just tradition. We, we work hard, you know, we, we did it in Detroit lakes and have, a, we had, I think probably 80 racers come out and the guy that actually won it in open mod, he drove from green Bay, Wisconsin the night before. And so eight hour drive with people come from Pennsylvania, Canada, and then kind of all over the Midwest there. But, um, yeah, people are always get down for a good time. Um, I feel like I always get to see a lot of people there that are in construction too, because I feel like they just go so well together, uh, racing dirt bikes, side-by-sides and construction and dirt. Oh, yeah. it's just, it's, it's always a good time. But then the after party, we, we definitely let her fly. Um, do you guys just open up like a bar tab and you're like on, on us round up. Yeah, kind of. So we, we have like a big table. They like reserved the patio for us. And um, yeah, basically our bar tab was like North of two grand. <laughs> so, that makes it a fun time though. I it, bet people it, it. It, it's so fun. Cause we bring all of like our volunteers and anyone that helped out at the event. We just get everyone eats and we, yeah we're not shot people. Like we don't, we don't do shots, oh, dude, I hate shots except for that after party. For some reason, something just gets in us. And so we'll, I think we had, yeah, I mean, it was a ridiculous number, like 150, 200 shots on like one tab or something. So yeah, I would love to see you take shots. Cause I don't think I've ever seen you like take shots. I've seen you like wine drunk, I feel like, and then had a couple mixies in. Cause I, I relate that back to Vegas, but I've never seen you take shots. Yeah. I, I, I don't mind wine, but yeah, I definitely like, uh, you know, I think we had old fashions that night on the strap, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I think just a good beer drunk is kind of where, where I like to be, but yeah, this, this one night each year, it seems like the shots come out and it's like, all right, here we go. <laughs> Buckle up baby. But yeah, then we jumped on a flight and now we're back in Arizona and, uh, back on the podcast. So hell yeah. Well, good. Well, I'm sorry. I missed you. I wish I could have made it to that, but Ryan, he was there. That was cool. Yeah, no, it's just fun to get everyone together too. And, uh, I know we, we're doing a bit of traveling with it too. So, um, if anyone's interested, you know, we're going to be down in Appleton, Minnesota, uh, in August. And yeah, like I said, we bring people in from all over the country. So let us know there's camping. It's like 25 bucks a camp and we just get like tons of people together. So, um, yeah, if anyone wants to make a little road trip, uh, 
it's a good time. I think my favorite video that I saw was the EMS drivers racing. Oh, dude. That's the ambulances lining up. I'm like, their bosses are going to be so fucking mad if they saw that. It's so funny because they, they will come up to me. And so we always start it with like the cops race. Yeah. Cause they did this last year. They come up to us and they're like, Hey, is it, is it okay if we race down the track? And we're like, you're please like, do like, <laughs> like you can do that. And uh, so then they do it. So now it's tradition. They'll go lights and sirens. And this year we had the, the city cops versus the County. That's and of, course, of course the County. One. And anyway, so we're going through the event and then uh, like halfway through, you know, the EMS comes up to me and they're like, Hey Luke, we heard you're the guy to talk to. Um, you know, is there, do you think it'd be fine if we like raced our ambulances? And like, they're like, we got the okay from our supervisor. I'm like, I feel like that's going to be the safest race we have. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to go above 50, but it'll look cool. <laughs> yeah. So sure enough, they went, uh, sure enough, they went, lined them up. They went lights and sirens down the track and yeah, the kids love it. Uh, everyone loves it. And it's a, it's a good time. It's good to get the community together too. Yeah. That is a really fun community event. Cause I mean, you guys attract a lot of people, so that's super fun. But yeah, man. So uh, now we're back at it. Like we said, you know, with back doing the podcast, we have, I, I wish we could talk about it, but I want to keep it a surprise, but yep. super exciting guests. I'm really excited to dive into that'll be in two weeks. And then, yeah, with Dirtbags University coming around the corner. Um, really excited for that one too. I know the last one we had Dave Turin and Aaron Witt. Um, so I think this one for anyone that was on the Dave and Aaron one, I think this one will be more like the Will Schuler one where it's like pen and paper. We're like diving actual numbers, actual yep. numbers, things like that. So um, I really, I enjoy both styles, but I think the ones where we're like writing shit down where we can't even like look up and listen is everybody just has their ears open and their eyes down writing. Yep. I agree. Those are the fun ones. Um, yeah, we'll, I don't know how we'll announce that one, Luke, but I think what is that's June 26th, correct? Yeah, we're going to say that date on this podcast now. So it'll be uh, Monday night again, just like we always do. June 26th, mark your calendars. We're just going to do the same exact time that we always do. It's 7.30 p.m. Central time. Usually it goes for an hour and a half. We're always cognizant of everyone's time. Uh, we usually just cut it right off at the hour and a half. So yep. um, yeah, if you haven't ever been to one, usually it's 20 bucks to register. We'll have all the sign up stuff on our website. Um, and if, if you don't see it, just ask us and we'll send it to you. But yeah, it's, it's a good time. Uh, I love those things. And uh, it seems like a lot of people are getting more value out of those. You know, they, it complements the podcast well, because the podcast you can dive into so much only. And also with the webinars, they're private. So it's, you can get way deeper into the numbers as well Correct. the webinar is a lot more educational to where the podcast is mainly luke is my therapist i just vent about what problems we have from the day to day and you just give us the yeah man definitely like oh, totally yeah. concrete guys I, I hear <laughs> fucking you. concrete guys no we love the we're actually we've worked with some really good concrete guys lately um uh one of our new operators his name is chase he dug a massive uh, house. Like I thought people thought it was a commercial project when we posted it, but the guy is a phenomenal operator. Didn't use GPS. Didn't you like he, he had his stakes that bottom floor was perfectly flat. No snail trails, no nothing. And I was like, what the fuck? I could not do that without GPS. So it was really fun to see him in action. So got a lot of compliments on that one. Um, 
but yeah, it just crazy. Yeah. Chase is the man. I love the, love seeing him, you know, get out there with you. Cause I I've known him for a while, like mm-hmm. before you and I started working together and remember we used to play, we, we played football against him back in the day. I, Do- so, with yeah, we, we never played DGF, I don't think. Um, that was the year I graduated. And then that's uh, right. You guys played in your senior year. Well, if Chase is listening to this, we beat them that game. So hell yeah. Well, yeah. I think it was by like three, but anyway. But yeah. Um, but yeah, podcast obviously a little less learning to it to where the webinar we can really dive into a lot of that education piece. Speaking of education, I don't know. This obviously wasn't presented, but one of my old professors from college hopped on. She was on the webinar and it was the funniest thing because I think I was making, I made some comments and I'm like, I forget she was on. I don't remember what I said. It was like a Will Shuler quote of like, fuck it, we're going in raw. And she was on or something. And I'm like, oh, I should not have said that. But she texted me after and she was like, that was the coolest shit. And I'm like, hell yeah lynn like thank you <laughs> so wasn't, wasn't she having a glass of bourbon with us too she did yeah she's a whiskey drinker she, she's like i got my bourbon she sent me a picture of it and everything and i was like dirt yeah. baguettes man that's the best I, I think that's one of my favorite things is before dirt bags university like the day of everyone's getting like they got a coors light you know yeah. they got you know their bottle of whiskey their bourbon like whatever their whatever their poison is like they'll have it they'll be ready to go um and uh just kind of getting ready for the night but it's it's a fun way to learn i know luke you and i really enjoy it and the response has been awesome so we're just going to keep doing it and keep trying to improve the the problem is is that i feel like we keep overdoing it and then we get like like how do we how do we step up from this one yeah and so it's a good problem to have but it's like dang we should have done some bad ones in between so that way we could uh, and we, we've, we've had those, we haven't had that on the webinar yet, but I think of like some podcasts that we've done and there's been some podcasts that we haven't aired just because they were fucking dog water. Yeah. And they still go up. I just, they still go up. We still post them. There, no, there's a couple that we didn't post and I won't, I won't, there's a couple that we didn't post and I'm still glad that we didn't post them. That is very true. Actually, yeah. I take that back. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it, I always get a kick when people say like when they just find the podcast and they're like, yeah, I, binge listened you know to eight episodes saying like okay it's not yeah. that come on yeah yeah it's not that like it's two dudes named luke talking to each other having a conversation like we are not that entertaining to listen with to with the occasional guest you know we dive in a little bit but i'm like yeah hey, come on now good for you whoever whoever binges our episodes thank you guys that have stayed from us stayed with us for this long yeah sometimes i think we get too much credit but you know yeah. this will we'll take it so um, as I transition now into one of our topic points, uh, so on one thing I wanted to bring up is uh, simplifying. So mm-hmm. I put this out on LinkedIn the other day, and my guy Jared Kepfer with uh, Arrow Crushing up in Canada, he basically uh, the post was kind of about you know simplifying things in your business. Um, a lot of times as an entrepreneur, we want to make things very complex and complicated. Uh, but really we can simplify things to make it run more efficiently, more smooth. So he had asked how, like, how have I seen that with construction? Like what type of our construction clients or guys in the industry, what are they doing to kind of simplify things in their business? And so I wanted to bring that to the podcast and just see if you had any ideas of things that you've done or things that you've seen that can help, you know, run a a little bit more of a simple, simpler business plan or a business model. 
I feel like delegating is going to be your most broad answer to that with a bunch of different avenues behind it. The delegation of certain tasks and having the trust that these people will complete those tasks is huge. And I think that delegating starts with um, Cole and I are actually implementing this, but like actual job titles with yeah. job responsibilities underneath those titles. So there isn't any question at hand what my position is, right? It's it's in the employee handbook. Here is your job title. Here is what you are responsible for day in and day out. So then there's no questions of, well, well, I thought this was this guy's job or, well, I thought he was going to do that. Nope, that is in your job description, right? This is this is your This is your job. So I think by simplifying, you have to you have to get more deep into the process, right? You have to delegate that, but you have to make that process more complex. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think what you can do, especially as an owner, is when you start to do that, you see your job title and you list out all the things that are in your description, and you're like, okay, this isn't gonna, this isn't sustainable, or mm-hmm. and more importantly, scalable. Correct. Um, and so it's like, okay, so if I'm doing the invoicing and this person has, you know, maybe two things on their plate, or do we create a new position and put some of these financial things that I'm currently doing onto their plate, you start to delegate, like you said, and in its simplest form, I think that's the easiest way to do it is find somebody that's you know better than you at some of those tasks that you're currently doing. And then I also like to look for the bottlenecks. Uh, so basically where things are getting caught up for me personally, um, I'm horrible at emails. I just, I don't like emails. I don't, you know, like to be on there. So I always tell people like, if I'm the only one on an email and nobody, our success team isn't CC'd on there and they're just waiting for an answer from me, it might not even come. And it's not that I don't like the person. It's not that I I'm doing it on purpose. It's just, I am not great at that. So you know, we've implemented any, anytime somebody emails me, the success team has to be CC'd so that somebody's going to see it. Maybe it's me, but most likely our team is going to see it. So looking to see where things are getting held up and where there's a bottleneck. And Luke, I'm sure you've seen this too, where if you leave, you know, if you leave town, you kind of see how your business can run without you. And there are certain things where people can call you and say yes or no, give approval. Um, and it's quick and easy, but then you start to see like your team can start to make decisions for themselves sometimes. And yeah, it's, it's interesting how that works when, um, when you do leave and you start to see like how your business can be run. And I think as a business owner, you do have to leave just to see it's a trial by fire type thing. You have to see how things operate. And we saw that with the honeymoon and I'll be completely honest. I did not get a lot of calls. I I was not worried about anybody because I knew the team had got it handled. I was itching to get back to work because as the owner, I felt bad not being able to be there yeah. and like provide if there was, you know, if there was ever an issue, I think I was creating more false scenarios and worrying myself out than there actually was. But yeah, I mean, when we were gone, the team killed it just because everybody has, well, I shouldn't say, well, everybody, yeah, everybody knows their job. Everybody knows what their daily tasks are. Um, I'll take Andy for an example. He's our operations manager. He's done a phenomenal job of taking on a lot of things that I used to do, and he's doing it way better than I could have. Yeah. You know, his communication with, you know, scheduling guys has been fucking phenomenal. The, 
the guys know what they're doing. They know where they're going at certain times. They know, you know, once they're done with this project, where they're going next. If we have to reroute Andy's like, nope, this person's going to be best fit for this job, things like that. So that is, that is the best way of growth is putting those people in place. And like you had said, doing those jobs better than you can do it, but it's also having that trust within them to do that job to where you're not micromanaging them, let them do it in a way that, you know, accommodates their style that accommodates how they work. And it'll probably work out. Yeah. Andy's the man. And it's funny too, because I think of that. Um, sometimes if you put somebody, let's just say operations manager and you put somebody in there, sometimes they're not always the perfect fit, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're not always going to get that Andy right away in that position. And so you do sometimes have to see um, some of that turnover a little bit to get somebody that, you know, has that, that it factor for that position. And so, but I I don't even, I don't even think it has to be turnover, right? right? Because turnover means like a termination to where if they aren't right for that position, I think you as the owner have to be like, okay, this is not, this is not where you need to be, right? We need to try a different position for, and you know, there's tests online that you can take like the strength finder test, you know, that's probably a really good in, you know, a starting indication of where people need to be at. Right. And I think, yeah, moving them like horizontally Mm -hmm. and like, okay, this isn't your skill set. So let's move you somewhere else within the company and, you know, find somebody else that kind of fits that role. But it, um, yeah, it's funny when you do have somebody in that role and you're like, you are doing this four times better better. than I was, you know, what are we even doing here? Yeah. You're like, don't leave. What do you need? Right. (laughs) So no. And it's, Again, the micromanaging, and I feel like people, there's still so many businesses that do this, but I feel like it's more of kind of a dying trend now to where I built this business off hard work and my communication and what I've done. Uh-uh. You, you got to get past that as an owner if you want to grow, because like you always say, you cannot be everywhere. You cannot do everybody's job. And there's some serious talent in today's world. Yeah. So I made, I'm, I come at it from a different angle. I look at it as like micromanaging would be exhausting. Like there's nothing more I don't want to do than like being every single little detail all day, every day, every minute. I'm like, I have other things to do. I mean, and I'm, I'm surprised that more owners don't see it that way, but I get it too. Like when they have started, it is their baby, but I'm almost on the way other end of the spectrum where I just like, let it go right away. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I, you can do this way better than I can. I can help steer the ship in the right direction, but, uh, yeah, please take it over because you can do this much better than I can. Correct. I'll, I'll give this kind of an example. Um, so I've kind of, I, again, I've transitioned out of a lot of like the day-to-day operational stuff. Andy kind of takes that over him and I have our meetings of like, okay, what's going on this week? What needs to take place? Who's going where, what needs to be done type thing. But I've done, you know, I, I, with stepping away from that, I get the ability to be kind of the forefront on things. Like I still want to be the first point of contact for the business. And I think I kind of, I got this through like the selling and I'm going to bring it back to you motors. But when I was selling, everybody wanted to talk to the GM. They wanted to talk to somebody in a power position, not just a sales guy, right? They would almost look at you like, you're a sales guy. You're just out to get my money, but Oh, Hey, I'm the general manager okay, you're a person of power. I want to talk to you because you can make decisions, right? So I'm kind of trying to transition that into my business of, 
I'm taking the calls. If people are calling me, you know, even if looking for a yard of black dirt, they're calling me on it. Right. And I, and I love that because then I'm the owner, I'm the forefront of it. And then from there, then I can delegate to where it goes. Yeah. It's interesting how similar our businesses actually are because I'm the same way. Like I've, you know, Josie, after bringing her on, she's our director of operations. She's kind of taking all the internal day-to-day stuff off my plate, but it's so that I can have my head above water and take, like you said, every single call and direct it to the right person, either on our team, somebody else's team, a different agency, like whoever, whatever they need, but I do want everything to run through me. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is that I have more time now to do that because my head isn't buried in some of the internal stuff day to day. And so it, uh, it allows me to take more of those calls and to kind of figure out, you know, what's the best direction for them. And, and yeah, like you said too, I mean, it's, it is your business and you want to be, you know, the biggest, not the biggest piece of your business, but like that first point of contact. You, you do. And I, I a hundred percent. And this kind of came to me as we were talking about that for the people that are like, well, I'm getting, 89 calls a day for random stuff. And I just don't have time to take those calls. That is where I think you have to niche down. That is where you have to find the market that you want to be in. You can't offer all of this stuff. I think find your breadwinners, right? And then maybe you can find your other ones. Kind of like you and I had this conversation the other day. I told you to take a bunch of stuff off of our website, right? We do not offer this anymore. This is not something that we're going to offer. Ever since you took those off, we do not get those calls anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's, it's funny too, because then, and I always encourage, especially, you know, construction companies, it's like, what are your big five, at mm. least the big five services? Cause you can, of course you can give me a list of 20 or 30 that you do, but like, what are your big five, your most profitable, the things you love to do, the things you want to do more of what are those services? So we can like focus more on that. And you don't have to always like put everything that you do you know, I just talk in website, but like on your website, or you don't always have to tell people, yep, we can do this, this, this. It's like, do your big five. Some of it's implied. Like if you say you do excavation, a lot of people just imply, oh, can you do utilities? And yep. they'll just ask. And so I think that's a big piece of it though, is just realizing who you're going after and who you want to go after and yep. who you want to work with too. And, you know, like we talked about, this is probably off air, but just, you know, business has to make money mm-hmm. and it's not right or wrong. It's just, you have to make money to stay in business. You have to be profitable and you got to pay your employees. You got to pay your, your lights, your overhead, everything. And mm-hmm. you have to have profit to keep growing and to keep investing into your company. So right. if you're doing a certain service that, you know, and breaking even is, is good to keep, you know, machines going too. No, it's not, there not in this market. To, yeah. There has to be a plan to like get out of that. Cause I, you know, we work with a lot of companies that do, you know, some maintenance stuff, like some lawn maintenance and, and like, they don't want to stay there, but they have some big accounts that keep their machines busy. But it's like the amount of guys that you need on there and the amount of distractions. And if you don't want to be there, you sometimes have to kind of cut the cord and move to where you do want to be. Yeah. And kind of going back to the conversation of, you know, being the forefront of your business and answering all those calls, you see a lot more of those calls in the residential space than you do the commercial space. You know, like if somebody, I used to get a bunch of calls for black dirt. I don't even have a pit. I don't have black dirt, you know? So I would just say, call this person. Sorry, we don't have it. 
you know, but those were, those were keywords that we would use within the website for that space, right? In the commercial world, nobody cares who you are, right? They just want their project done. But if, if I'm the first point of contact and I can make a good impression with that project manager, with that supervisor, with whoever it may be, and then from there, I delegate that communication to say, you know, site supervisors, our foreman, Andy, whoever it might be, you know, then that's their job. But at least I did my first impression of this is our company. This is what we're going to do. Here's the team member that's going to take care of you. So the commercial and residential worlds are obviously very different in that aspect. But yeah, they're very different. But I think what's really good about, you know, you being the first one that they talk to. And then if you hand it off, you know, you're just like, it's a good thing that mm -hmm. you're not doing everything because it, it it's a negative if you're doing every single step. And so if you hand it off, they also know that they can contact you if, if a big issue arises or something happens, but they're a business owner typically themselves, or they work with a business owner and they know that, okay, this person doesn't do everything also. So it, in my opinion, it only helps. And it also helps your image too, where it's like, if you're doing every single thing, even like handing them the invoice and like writing out and doing your taxes and, and then getting out in the excavator and like, you know, doing the work, it's like, okay, well, it can also help your business and your image if you do have more people to like kind of delegate that out to. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's a referral type, right? Cause there's referrals in the residential industry. I look at those as, you know, I'll, ref I'll, I will refer out businesses. If somebody calls me and I don't offer that service, I'm going to have my referral basis and say, okay, who's going to best fit for this, send that to them. But it's also the same within your company okay, I'm going to give you my referral on who that point of contact is within our company. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because there's, believe it or not, there's companies out there where they'll get calls like all the time and they'll just say, no, we don't do that and then hang up. It's like, why not build a book of business with people that, oh, I have a good landscaper, I'll send them to. Or if somebody keeps asking about lawn care, I have a good lawn care company, I'll just send them to. And like you start building uh, and we'll start talking about favors a little bit here, but you, it's not even like you're doing a favor, but you're just helping that person that's calling. And on the flip side, you're probably helping a business that's either trying to grow or it does a great job and will take care of that person. So I always just thought it was crazy that, you know, if you're getting all the calls and you're getting all the submissions and you're just like not doing anything with them, like at least build that book of business where you can have your concrete guy, your, your finisher, your landscaper, whoever it is. And just kind of send them to the right direction. But exactly. um, I know we were talking about this the other day, uh, doing favors and this maybe not so much contractor to contractor, but more so like doing favors with friends or other companies where, I, I mean, dive into that a little bit, because I feel like it's burned us both. Uh, when you think you're doing a good thing and then it kind of backfires it fucking backfires. I will say, I like how you brought in the contractor to contractor favors, because I do think that is very valuable. Like there's contractors I know that are a lot bigger than we are, but I know I've, I've called in multiple favors with a big municipality here in town. And I'm like, Hey, do you have a roller, like a, like a sheep's foot roller that I can borrow for the day? Yep. Here it is. Pick it up here after you're done with it. Drop it off at this, you know, place. Awesome. Thank you so much. Call me when you need some. I'll be, I'd love to help you out. You know, would love to be able to return the favor. And then that's how you kind of create a business relationship with that person. Right. Yeah. So for those, I like those. Absolutely. And that's why I want to make sure to toss that in. So nobody yes. you know, got it twisted. Like 
favors with other businesses and collaboration is very yep. good, but more so like the uh, father-in-law that calls you. Yeah. Yeah. Not even like the father-in-law. Cause that's like unwritten rule that you're supposed to help them out. Right. But more of like, you know, more of like a favor because, and I think everybody's had an instance of if you're on a project and that project is not going well for somebody, you know, you as a human, naturally you want to help. Right. And I, maybe some people don't, which is probably better, but you know, people that do care and like want to show some sort of compassion, you know, they will offer a helping hand. Sometimes my opinion don't fucking do it, right? If you're just going to offer it for free and just say, yeah, no problem, I'll help you out, don't do it, charge for it. So there's some value behind it. Yeah, and I think that's important too because you can absolutely do it and I think you can lead with- Don't do it for free. Yeah, basically, that's what you're saying. It's like, you can absolutely say, I, I will 100% help you out. I feel terrible. Um, you know, it's still, these are my rates still. And Correct. just making sure that you get that out there at the beginning that you're not- necessarily doing it for free because as you know then it just escalates into more and more and more and then they start getting you know maybe picky and they're like oh yeah that needs to move eight more inches that way and you're like correct and you're like okay i did this as a favor right and then it becomes becomes a sour taste on both ends right and all i can i bet everybody has had an instance of where something like this has happened but yeah just don't don't do it for free you know their problem is not your problem yeah. And I think another piece is liability um, that kind of gets thrown into it, where if you're being paid for it and you're being paid for your time to help out, no problem. But then if you're doing it for free and something worse happens and you get blamed for it and all of a sudden like you're, I don't you're know. the point of like everybody's fingers. And it's like, I know like what the fuck. Yeah. I was trying to help a guy out and, you know, do it for free, lose a little bit of money, but now we're, now we're really losing money. Yeah. So, I mean, we could go off on a tangent about that, but, and everybody might have a different opinion on it that, and that's fine. If you do favors for people, awesome. You know, I get there's, you got to give and take a little bit sometimes, but I'm me personally, I'm done doing that. I've, I've been burned too many times in too many instances to where, like you had said, you, you, Hey, I need this log moved. Yeah. Okay. No problem. Well, that log turned out to be a fucking tree grove. Right. And then you have to dispose of it because they're like, well, you said you were just going to do it. You know, no. Um, one, one thing that I have noticed in my business, especially is that if you kind of just like most people, 99% of people won't expect anything, won't expect me to do anything for free. They're like Luke, please charge me for your time, your team's time, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and then that way you as a business owner or myself can make the decision of, don't worry about it. I got it. And Correct. a good example of that is, you know, we do some work with the boys and girls club and we do a lot of web work with them and stuff. And they're like, let us know what we owe you or what we can do. I'm like, don't worry about, don't it. Worry about it. Yeah. And uh, at least yeah. it's offered, right? Like there's, there's an expectation of like, I, you have done me a service. I owe you. And then it is up to you to say, nope, no problem. It is what it is afterwards. Yep, exactly. And then, you know, I have a a good friend who we did, you know, built his website and uh, he's not in construction. And so, and he's like, "Uh, how does this work? Like, do I, how how much do I pay you? And I, and I told him, and I was like, for anything ongoing, basically you can just pay the cost of our team members. And he's like one of my best friends. And so it's not that I'm going to take a loss on the project or do it for free. 
but he also is expecting to pay something. So, you know, I'm like, it's, it's kind of like the, you know, just paying my team's time and just making sure that they're taken care of. I don't need to profit off of this specific thing. Um, but just making sure that's in place before and just kind of owning up to, you know, having that respect of people will know that, okay, I'm going to pay this guy for his time. Yeah. So if, if you're kind of in one of those situations where they're not like that and they just assume you're going to do it for free, I think you need to have like a reality check, be like, you know, and kind of have that conversation. Correct. And it's, it's funny that you kind of, we, I'm bringing it back to more of like the commercial space of, you know, like a business to business favor. Yeah. Um, right before we started the podcast, I was on the phone and we were talking, I'm, I'm in need of a bunch of clay on a bunch of projects. So I'm texting all these companies and I'm like, Hey, needing this much amount, this much amount. And one of the guys I had texted called me and he's like, Luke, I got this person, or I texted this person, this person, this person, this person might have something for you. Um, I can help you line up this. And I'm like, you gotta, you gotta send me a finder's fee or something yeah. because that's also their time. 100%. Right. So, I mean, the, the business world, I will continue to do favors for, because I know if I do them, then I will 99% of the time get the rotate, get the favor returned. Um, and you know, instances of like we're in, you know, dirt is simple. Say you need, you know, clay in your area and somebody's hauling off clay from a site by you and they don't need it. Right. And it's good to have that communication with your, you know, with those companies. So you can kind of help each other out in that way. And that goes into the topic of the last one of, you know, getting creative with your business as well. Yeah. Which is nice because we touched on that a little bit. Um, on the last podcast, on the last podcast, but just not being afraid to like pick up the phone and call somebody and be like, Hey, Mm -hmm. yeah, do you have any extra clay? Like, what are you guys working on? And kind of knowing what, what else is going on. And because, you know, you never know, you could be doing them a favor by them helping you out. And literally they're just going to go dump it or get rid of it. And you're like, yeah, could you just drop it off here? Like we actually need 500 yards or whatever it is. And, uh, and then I'm glad you touched on that too. Just business is a lot different when you when you're doing favors because you know they've got your back most of the time i wouldn't say they got your back but they'll remember the favor yeah right the i'm gonna jump in and say i the way i do favors in business is not expecting something back i think that's important because if you're like hey dude i I got this for you like eight months ago. Where's where's my favor back? Correct. Then that is the wrong way to go about Don't it. Don't keep a tally. In my opinion, only do a business favor if you're not expecting that in return and you're not going to hold them to it. It's like, dude, I got you. Correct. Correct. And like you said, I and I don't want to say other businesses don't have your back, but I don't want that to be like a like a thing people think of because I've seen it and you and I have touched on this a long time and it's kind of a trend to where, you know, you would call other contractors, hey, this is the stuff that I do. Here's what I'm looking to subcontract out. I've gotten a lot of emails based off that. I don't want people to think like, hey, just because I do you a favor means that we're best of buds. And, you know, you owe me something back. Or if I need something, you got my back doing it, you know. And I don't know if that makes sense. But doing a favor for another business, don't expect anything back, you know, right? Hey, thank you you know, hopefully to catch you on another one type thing, I guess. Yeah. So it's kind of like in a very simple form, like a shout out for a shout out on like Instagram. Like it's so petty when you start to think of it like that. It's like, yeah, 
just do your thing like give them a shout out because they did a good job or whatever and don't expect anything back but that's in like its simplest form exactly exactly but yeah i'm favors in the commercial world we'll constantly do them residential never again yeah i feel like that's where it can really bite you it is residential where it's uh it's bitten us a couple times but i think it was dig it starns i was talking about that he's like you know it's not I think he's talking about, you know, digging ponds. He's like, it's not your job to make every rock look perfect. Like you are there to dig the pond and that is what you're being paid for. Mm -hmm. If if you want me to pay me extra, you're going to pay me for my time. And then, you know, you have to bid that or at least be upfront about it, but it is not your job to do things that aren't in the estimate or the bid. Well, I mean, you can do them, right? Those are just change orders. Right. But there, there has to be the expectation again of, yes, this is a change. This is going to come with a dollar amount. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that was really interesting. And that, you know, kind of goes down the rabbit hole of just knowing your, your margins too. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to know what you're bidding. And if you are bidding that perfect pond, then yep. you got to have that in there. You got to deliver every, every rock and every, you know, log is going to look perfect. And so that has to be in, you know, in your time as well. That's kind of a cool topic. And I just kind of thought of this question, but like knowing what is in your bid, right. And explaining what is in your bid, I feel like is really a big thing right now. We see that in the commercial world to where there is such a big realm of these numbers that come in and everybody's so far apart that what we've done. And honestly, after Will showed us that on the webinar is like his breakdown of his pricing and everything included in there, we send that off with our bids right? We'll have our, we'll have our unit price, our hourly rate, what the total comes out to for each section. You know, we'll have our, our Trevor's really good. Cause he breaks down each fucking utility section, like PVC six inch by whatever pipe bedding, uh, linear feet, this, um, and then time underneath it. And that's each section of the utility part. And same with the earthwork part, you know, building excavation, parking lots, grading, um, backfill of foundation, all of that stuff. So it's all broken down. So when we send those to general contractors, they don't have a lot of questions of like, well, where did you come up with this number? Cause then they physically see it. Right. I mean, it takes kind of all questions out of it and they, they see, you know, obviously your margin built into it, but it's not like a big question and like, okay, yeah, of course you need to make money on the, on parts. And we we don't send it with our margin in it. Right. We'd send what, what our like hourly is and then our unit rates, right. They don't know, they don't know the true cost of everything underneath that rate. That's just our charge rate, right? Exactly. But, you know, the way I was looking at it is like, if you go to, you know, uh, you're getting your car fixed and you mm-hmm. get it back. Of course, the parts for the battery are going to be higher than if you were to go to O'Reilly's. It's like, yeah, Correct. you just kind of understand that, yeah, you need to make money as well. But yeah, of course, you're not going to have your your markups in there. Yeah, and, and not that we would hide it, like... I don't, I don't, I, I have nothing to hide. I tell people kind of what we like to achieve whenever we bid anything, you know? So that's, that's irrelevant to me. I don't, I don't really care because again, excuse me, I got the hiccups. Like we had talked about everybody's true cost is different. So they can try to mask our prices, but guess what? My true cost is going to be different than your true cost. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you, and then Joe Blow with his skid steer and then mm-hmm. you know, the huge, multi-million dollar or billion dollar company that's bidding it everyone's true cost is going to be different yep and honestly in certain cases sending like kind of a description of where and how you came up with numbers can help you we had one honestly this week to where 
we we were good on the utility section. Our utility sec was spot on. We got that bid. But then like our earthwork bid was about $150,000 more than the next two people. And they were very close with each other. But Trevor, and this this wasn't petty. I actually love that he did this. He The guy called him and was like, hey, you guys are this much above these two. Like, can you try to explain to me where you came up with me or came up with this number and how you came up with this number? And Trevor's like, well, yeah, like you have a bunch of over excavation. You got to haul in a bunch of material. You know, did you read the geotech? And they're like, well, yeah, we read the geotech. Um, but then basically Trevor sent him the breakdown of all of the additional material that's needed to go on all the additional time. And then he, he, <laughs> he took the part of the geotech that was like under in it. And it stated like underneath any structure in parentheses, building, parking lot, sidewalk, um, basically any existing structure that would come into the building has to go four feet down and has to be soil corrected. Nobody else saw that. And when he sent that, he highlighted those words and was like, this is why we are sending you this number, right? If we do not have to do that, we're not going to charge you the full amount, but I'm going to send you the worst case scenario right off the bat, right? Because then I'm not going to change order you when this comes about and you're going to get slapped with $150,000, right? $150,000 in any industry could make or break the financing because maybe the owner doesn't have that to put forward. Maybe the bank is already tapped out with the financing that they can't give anymore. So that, I mean, that could go down a rabbit hole itself, but like explaining that to your general contracting companies is massive. And, you know, showing those numbers to them and like showing the statement pieces of this is how we came up with this. So they understand it as well. Dude, that's awesome. That'd be great to have him on sometime or something yeah it would be really cool to have him on and trevor trevor's a little brainiac so he he just nerds out on numbers which is really fun so but he's a talker so we'll have to see yeah good well <laughs> let him we'll have to see uh what his fee is and uh we'll see if we can make it work if it's over 25 he's out yeah 25 bucks yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, instances like that, you know, and again, I'm, I'm kind of, you're being my therapist in this and I'm explaining, but these are, these are real life things that have happened and, you know, people do overlook things. So it's really good to where if you have your bases covered and you can present that to people, you just look insanely credible. They're like, wow, you really invested some time into looking over this to make sure you had everything included for us. Yeah. So on the flip side too, it, I've seen where guys do invest a lot of time into that and then they don't get it because people just go with the cheapest bid, you know, option. And so that's got to be frustrating too, but you also can't, you're not going to go lower um, because you already know your cost. So you just, you just keep pumping them out and just keep making that impression or like, how do you fight? Like if somebody it has, it has to be, it has to be explained. Right. Because there are contractors that are, you know, they are a low bid basis and that's how they operate. But when they are low bid basis and I see it on LinkedIn all the time, they're like taking the low bid and people maybe not having something inclusive in there. The general, you know, the GC just assuming that they've included everything in it. Right. And then they don't. And then that's where they have issues with that company not showing up because, oh, I'm not making any money. This is not going to be a priority to me. Right. It really kind of boils down. You get what you pay for. And yes, your project might be a little bit more expensive, but it'll probably save you money in the long run too. save you money, save you the headache and save you the time. 
Yeah. I mean, and then you just know what you're doing too. Correct. That's a big piece. You can kind of forecast your own business as well. Exactly. And I mean, there, of course it's, it's a typical GC company. Yep. Whoever, you know, lowest bid wins, whatever, but there are a lot of companies that value, you know, your advice on what your findings were through that bid set, because sometimes they don't have all the time in the world to go through everything. Obviously everything is, you know, there's a lot hired out. The geotechs are hired out. The plans are hired out. The engineering's hired out, you know, so they don't have, they should have a pretty good grasp on their project, but things do get missed. And that's where you have to be the professional in your sector to really present them with the best possible option. Yeah. Do you think some of it, internally is like a long-term play of like sure you can take this contractor but i guarantee the next project around like you're probably not going to take them again um yeah i think so but i mean general contracting isn't anything new so like people should know that by now but they don't but there are there are companies that understand the value of that and they actually they care about the bottom line of their subs because if they are really good subs, if you have a good GC and a good subcontractor, both sides want each other to win and make money yeah. compared to, well, I bid this wrong. I'm going to get them on a change order for this to try to make up. But in turn, that GC is going to be pissed at me. Right. Right. And it just creates, it creates fission. It creates problems. So it's, it's a tough, it's a tough topic to really kind of nail down. And it's, it's obviously not a perfect world. It's all, it's all, it's, it's all about finding those companies that value the time and energy put into the projected project, basically. Right. And I mean, you really want to become an expert in your craft. Mm -hmm. if, if you're doing a million services and a million different things, it's harder to become an expert. So it is that definitely comes down to it as well of like you know you're honing in on what you guys do and you're becoming very very good at that and you're also becoming known for being very good at it and being reliable and people can contact you you communicate well and so just building that reputation up as well and you know you're in it for the long game i'm in it for the long game like we know we're not gonna just close up next year or in two Correct. years we want to do this for a very long time and that attracts you great people because though where as soon as you kind of redefine your mission and what you want to do, you're going to find those people that want to do the same thing along with you. And then that's how your team is going to develop. And that's how you take off. Yeah, 100%. Well, I'm excited for whoever we get in for Dirtpegs University because we need to dive into some of this further. Yeah, we do. I, I hope they can explain it very well, but I guess we'll find out. Stay tuned. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's wrap up there. Uh, that is a podcast and beautiful we will be launching that other episode um in two weeks on friday and then we've got dirtbags university on june 26th that's monday 7 30 p.m central time uh, we'll have the link on our website hopefully that's uh, register in the next few days but uh yeah hope to see everyone there um luke any last any last words i'm gonna give a shout out to old Jaden welk because i know I'm hoping he's trucking for us tomorrow. Um, sorry, we're both looking at our phones. And I hope to see you on the job site. And I hope you listen to this podcast all the way through. Because I saw him today and he's like, can't wait for the podcast, brother. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> As we're recording it tonight. Yep. So shout out, Jaden. And shout out all the dirtbags that listen.
to oh, us. Yeah. And uh, Australian dirtbags too. Got a, yeah. got a message. This dude's like, mate, I had just found your podcast. And this is put another I'm shrimp on the Barbie over there. Yes. Sat Matt Nelson. Well, hopefully nobody's listening uh, this late. So, (laughs) but yes, shout out to everybody. I think that's a podcast. Luke, always a pleasure. Good to see you, man. Good to see you.